0: Get ready to step in this scripture with Tina. everyone my name is Tina Wilson I am a pastor's wife a homeschool mom and alongside my husband Matt I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter a Bible teacher an author and an advocate for all in family ministry I'm really passionate about making Christ and his church famous and I want to welcome you to step into scripture This is a podcast designed to point people toward King Jesus, and specifically in season one, we are doing that by encouraging our listeners and viewers to read the entire Bible. This is a big thing to jump into, to read the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and often when we challenge people to do that, their first response is, but here's a reason I don't need to do that. Here's a reason that's not the right path for me. So... Stacy and I have proactively taken all those objections that we've heard from people. We polled a large group of women and said, what stops you from this? And in season one, we are dismantling those objections every single week, using the word of God to help you establish a commitment to this spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. Now, so far in this season, here are the objections we've taken on. Number one, it's an impossible feat to read and understand the whole Bible, I don't have time to do this. I prefer topical studies over reading the whole text. It seems monotonous or irrelevant to me. It was written by man, or the Bible contradicts itself. Mm -hmm. All of these objections are not able to stand when we stack them up against the Word of God. And so my friend Stacy is joining me in this season. I'm so thankful for that, Stacy. We have been walking through the Bible together, Genesis to Revelation, year after year, for a long time now. Mm. So, if you would just take a minute and introduce yourself and lead us into this objection we're gonna take on today.
1: Yep. So, as Tina said, my name is Stacy. Um, We have been stepping through Scripture for several years now, and it has been an absolute joy and pleasure. Um, I am also a mom and a wife, a homeschool mom, alongside my husband. We are small business owners and founders of nonprofits here in our community, Um, and serving King Jesus in the capacity that we have over the last several years here at Ecclesia has been um, a major life event for us, and certainly one that we count as a treasure. And so stepping through Scripture and uh, going through all of these objectives is an another part of that journey that I'm thrilled to be a part of. And so today we are going to dismantle um, an objection that kind of um, doesn't have a lot of meat. Um, It's sort of just an excuse that says, well, I've already read the whole Bible, so I don't need to do it again. So the first thing that we would encourage everyone to do before you make that statement is to question yourself, but did you really... Read the whole Bible because um, it is so common anymore uh, to read a few verses here and there, or like us to have been raised in church around discipleship yeah. and to feel like you've got a a very healthy bank of verses yeah. or um, accounts, Sunday school stories, and feel like, well, I know what's in there, right? I know I've got the nuts and bolts. So why do I really need to read the whole thing? Um, but I would just encourage you that. M- if you question yourself, have you really read it? You might find that you, in fact, have not read the whole thing. Right, um, Tina. I know that you've. Uh, you, you and I talked about that a little bit. Feeling like I had a, I had a healthy bank of verses, and so I thought I had read the whole thing. Right. Um, secondly, you know, if you've tried uh, to truly read the Bible all the way through and you've done it, then something would have been accomplished. Yes. A a an absolute. Prize would have been found yes. that you would have wanted again and again and again because God's word is transformative. And when we yeah. submit our minds, we've talked about that here, you know, coming um, with a humbled mind. When we submit our minds to it, our whole life begins to change. And you're going to find yourself. The, this objection doesn't hit your registry Right. saying, I don't need to do it again. I've already done it. Right. Because when you've already completed it once, the next natural reaction is to do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. I think
0: that, that if, if you're making the objection, I don't need to read it because I've already done that. That alone is a good indicator. I don't mm. think you've done what you think you did. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, this has absolutely been the case in my life. When I was in high school, I was dating a pastor's son. He's now my husband. And um, and I was a church girl. I went to Christian school. And in this relationship where I'm, I'm dating this, this young Christian man who is the son of a pastor, he started to challenge some of my convictions that I had, some of the um, surface level Christianity that, that I was displaying in my life. He started to challenge some of that. And I initially responded to his challenges with a ton of arrogance, right? Yeah. Because I had been raised in church. I had gone to Sunday school. I had gone to youth group. I went to Christian high school. I knew the Bible, I thought. Mm-hmm. And so when he was challenging some of my beliefs and opinions, and he wanted to sit with me and say, what does the Bible actually say about these things? I quickly realized that I was in no way Mm -hmm. equipped to have a true biblical discussion. And I was surprised because I thought, maybe not that I had read the whole thing, but I thought that I had a pretty firm grasp on it because I could quote Psalm 23 right. and I could quote Romans 10, 9 and 10, and I could quote Titus 2, 11 through 14, and I could quote Revelation three twenty. And if anyone else has been raised in an Abeka curriculum in a Christian <laughs> school, you know those memory verses too. But when I was challenged to really sit with them and to talk about their meaning, right. I came to realize I've not read the Bible because I don't even know the context of the scriptures that I can quote. Mm -hmm. I had built an entire theology and belief system around disjointed verses, and I didn't know who wrote them. I didn't know who they were written to. I didn't know their purpose or their context. And all of a sudden I realized... I'm really biblically illiterate. Uh Being able to quote a few (laughs) chapters or passages did not equate to biblical literacy. And and so my husband, my boyfriend at the time, this this guy I was dating in high school, he challenged me to just read the book of Acts. He said, why don't you start there Mm -hmm. and let that guide your understanding of the church? how we are to come to Christ, how we are to function as a body of Christ in the world. And then I was just blown away all over again. Like I knew that in high school, I took Bible classes on Paul's missionary journey. So I thought I knew the book of Acts. Yeah, When in fact, that's just a small part of the book of Acts. And I didn't know so much of it. And I started to have my eyes opened to, to a love for God and his plan and his word that I had never had before. Mm-hmm. I maybe had a sense of satisfaction when I could um, memorize a verse or when a question was asked in, in a Bible class or a Sunday school mm-hmm. setting, and I knew the answer to that. But it was not a love connection right. to the text where I went, oh, this, mm-hmm. this is actual truth that can guide every single thing about my life. And as I started to identify those truths by actually committing myself to reading, at this point, just one whole book, just the book of Acts, not mm-hmm. even not even the whole Bible, not even the right. whole Testament, mm-hmm. I started to realize that, that my boyfriend future husband, was right to challenge some of my convictions because a lot of the things I thought about how my life as a Christian, both individually and as a member of the body of Christ, a lot of the things I thought about how that was supposed to look were actually completely baseless yeah. in Scripture. And I don't mean that to say that that the church leaders I grew up around necessarily intentionally led me wrong, sure. but I would venture to say that there are many who are presenting the Word of God as teachers and preachers who are not necessarily trusting the entire Word of God. Right. Genesis to Revelation as the primary source of the doctrine, even that they're teaching. Right. And that's a dangerous spot, and that's how we start to perpetuate generations of biblical ignorance. Recently, yeah. My daughter had an opportunity to stand on a stage at Pepperdine University in California and present a message on the book of Jeremiah. And my first question to her was, do you understand the con- the context of mm-hmm. Jeremiah? Do you understand what this book is about? And so we sat and we went through the context. And I told her, if you ever are going to have an opportunity to present the word of God and you don't know the context of it, then you don't present that. Right. You really have no business handling that passage if you're not going to give the context of it because what we don't want to do is perpetuate biblical ignorance. Yeah. And so being challenged at, at this time and in, in, as a senior in high school to <laughs> read the whole Word of God, what I learned was that uh, I needed to start back at the beginning I knew who Jesus was. I knew truths about Jesus, but there was no actual fruit Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit's indwelling in my life to evidence that I had been transformed into his image and that I was being transformed into his image. And so I went back to the beginning, and at 18 years old, shortly after graduating from high school... Um, I walked forward during an invitation in a church service, and I was baptized for the remission of my sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by an elder in the church that my father-in-law led, and, and that was just before I left home to go away from my freshman year of college. And in retrospect, that was one of the most difficult years, probably the most difficult year of my entire life, and I see God's hand in bringing me to a place that I needed to be to truly have him transforming my life, have his Holy Spirit living in me in the way that the Bible directs because I couldn't have made it through it without that and without this this new understanding I had gained about the purpose and function of the church in the book of Acts that was truly a family. That was a year when I was incredibly alienated and that family is what sustained me through it. And so this... This challenge for biblical literacy is such a huge part of my testimony because what I found as a freshman in college is I, I was so alienated and so alone in so many ways because you know it was a party scene. I was living in a dorm and I didn't have friends who were interested in these, these <laughs> new things that I was discovering, things of the Spirit. And so I would just hold up in my dorm and read the Word of God and it became the, the only really source of comfort in my life, especially as I was away from my my home church family, many miles away, living in a dorm. And, and I became so committed in that year to reading the Word of God. I remember my roommate, who also was a profession professing Christian, coming to me at one point and saying, Tina, this is not what Christianity is about, just sitting in a room and reading the Bible all the time. And she was right. She wasn't right for the right reasons. Sure. She wanted me to go party mm-hmm. with her, Right but she wanted you to go be a
1: witness. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Yes.
0: But, but it was where God had me at that time because he needed to, to grow something in me. And and that transformation that he was doing in my life was occurring as I was committing myself to reading the whole Bible. And that's where this love for reading the entire Bible first sprang up in my life. And, And it's where I could sense the working of the Holy Spirit in a tangible way right. because I had submitted to God in the way that scripture called me to, and I was submitting my life to learning his word, not as it's presented with some disjointed verses mm-hmm. that are strung together to create a theology that really leaves us sitting in a seat of biblical literacy, but, but in a way that I was precept upon precept learning his word and his law and it was changing my life
1: i could i could copy and paste the 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 fire that came as a result of that on my own testimony yeah. and i so appreciate the space to even share this um, because this is important um, in our walk as christians why do we love the word of god because it's a, a time to remember his faithfulness yeah. to us through his words, um, very similar. Um, I grew up knowing everything I thought I knew that there was to know about Paul in yeah. the New Testament. Um, and and a lot of New Testament scriptures memorized, um, all meant in a combative, um, all meant to be useful yes. in, in defending what I believed. And so my faith was built around what I was right about. Does yeah. that make
0: sense? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly how when when Matt approached me with challenges, I was
1: mm-hmm. like, no, I, I, know I know this. The Bible. Right. I and I knew Paul. Uh, boy was I wrong. And and so young in this. And and so as we're talking through this, just for whoever is watching or listening. Um, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter what you think you know, uh, the sooner you give in to that you don't know, the better. Yeah. Um, So thinking that I, having my faith put in what I thought was right, what I was right about, right? Not even what was right, what I was right about. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was challenged with Circumstances changing. I moved to South Carolina. I got married really young. I was nineteen years old. I was involved in a church that was very different from the church that I grew up in. It was the the, the church you and I both came up out of, um, the same church that you met your challenge in. I had to really consider in myself. I am, I am an outside participant. in in my whole life. You know, my family's not here. I'm in a new new marriage. We really didn't know each other very long. We'd only known each other a year and a half. And I didn't recognize how different we viewed the world um, biblically from one another until after we got married. And uh, I didn't realize how different my new church family was from what I had been raised in. And I decided that I wasn't gonna be satisfied until i knew i was right. what even if i even if i was wrong about what i thought was right, i wanted to know what was right so i knew i was right about whatever was right. does that make sense? <laughs> our personalities are completely the same. okay, yeah. so i needed to be right. so what i found in myself were two things. one, I didn't know as much about the Bible as I thought I did and not necessarily like in your example where I was met with a challenge and a conversation I couldn't hold because I, the people around me at the time actually couldn't hold a conversation with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was you and I weren't friends yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still we were going to the same church but we weren't necessarily friends yet and um in that kind of way and so I was able to really arrogantly ward off challenges. Yeah. But what I had realized was when I would read the Bible independently to verify myself, I would read it and hear it in someone else's voice. In the pastor who raised me, I would hear him speak as if or as I was reading it. Wow! And that was the first time I ever really acknowledged that I was not independently Involved with God, wow. that it was me, an external person, and God. Which at the time, you know, at, at eighteen and nineteen, it should be your parent. You know, I, that's not necessarily wrong. So any child, any youngins who are listening, it should be yeah. your parent until you're married. But I was married, so I had to really recognize that and do something about it. And my re- my answer, I was going to read the Old Testament. That's where I was going to start from from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, and and just give that a shot. And when I finished it, I was blown away. I had never done that before. All that I thought I knew about these truths about Jesus, these memory verses about Paul, uh, these examples of what the church should look like from Paul, who is, you know, in some ways had become more important than Jesus to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was like it all made sense. And I was so clearly wrong. And then I read the book of Acts in my own voice, and my whole life changed. It'll mess you all up. It messed me all up. <laughs> and in in the best way, though. Yes. And it was it was that total independence that God had revealed something to me, that I didn't have to be taught that, that I didn't have to— Accept it because everyone around me accepted it. It was mine. Yes. I, it, I was, I've never been the same. And I, too, surrendered my life. My, hus- my husband, when I was uh, 21, I was pregnant with our first daughter, and it was around this time that I had finished this journey through the Old Testament and really humbling myself, and he baptized me in my mother-in-law's pool, because I recognized, you're not as special as you think you are. And you're not <laughs> right about everything. Yeah. And I still feel that way when I read the Bible from yes. start to finish right now. Yeah. And that was 15 years ago. That's so
0: funny because I specifically, <laughs> of, of all the things that that I was challenged in when I started reading the book of Acts, I specifically pushed back against baptism Same because I was not going to admit Mm -hmm. that I misunderstood that.
1: I actually had to same, but I had to admit that I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. You know, I had to admit that what I had what I had witnessed and 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 same as you. No one who who raised me intention in these thoughts intended anything for my harm. Yeah. It worked to my benefit. Yeah. It gave me at least a desire uh, to know where to find the answer. sure um, and a desire to find it. Yes. Um, so it, many many positives came from that, but what I did with it, the way I, I wielded it mm-hmm. was where I had fallen short. And that's what I had to really reconcile with God about and just the lack of knowing about baptism, but reading the Old Testament, I couldn't get away from it. Yeah, there was nothing I could do to unravel the truth about baptism. Yeah. After I had read the entire Old Testament and then it was then it was very clear to me. I wanted to read the whole thing. Yes. Um and so n- not long after our daughter was born was the first time I had stepped into reading it the entire way through by myself and then we started doing our first bible study together right yes. not long after that. So Well, what I want to tell you guys is you know, we've shared stories
0: that are decades old mm-hmm. in our lives about beginning to read the Bible all the way through. But even now, 20 years later, that has not lost its power. Sure. The passion that that I would feel about reading the, the whole Bible today is no different than the passion I felt about it all alone in a dorm room, feeling like Jesus was my only friend right. in the world mm-hmm other than my boyfriend back at home, who I came back and married. <laughs> so what I want to do is just take some time in this episode for Stacy and I to share with you, even decades in to reading the whole Bible, what we've learned just in our most recent read-throughs, because what I want you to know is that even if you have read the whole thing, there is still an abundance of truth for you. In fact, more truth than you are ever going to be able to fully digest right. on this side of eternity. And then we're going to have forever sitting at the throne of God, listening, worshiping and, and learning everything and experiencing everything he has for us. So there is no reason to think we are done. Mm-hmm. In, in this finite place, because we've maybe read the whole thing once, or maybe just thought we did, mm-hmm. because we've heard a lot of stuff about the Bible. So I'll start here. In the last year-long chronological Bible read-through that we completed as a church, I have a book coming out, Step Into Scripture. This is actually the read-through that that book is based on. It's my reflections that I hope will help you as you step through Scripture from that that read-through. I want to tell you something new that I learned in, in that space after reading the Bible through many, many times prior to this. So this lesson comes from... Joseph, in the book of Genesis, Joseph had uh, 11 brothers who had, well, he had 10 brothers at this time who had committed just life-wrecking sin against him. And we're not talking about a little spat between siblings. I mean, his brothers had done him really dirty. They had sold him into slavery, and that was their alternate decision. After they had first planned to murder him, Um, they had totally ruined his life, convinced his father that he was dead. Mm-hmm. And and Joseph, after all these things, had an opportunity to get revenge on them mm-hmm. when they were reunited with him because they are running from a famine in their homeland. They're coming to Egypt where Joseph started as a slave, sold by them, and had now risen to second in command over the land, stewarding food uh, during a time of famine because God was just with them. And so now his brothers are at his mercy, these these brothers who, who took away his very life. And they need his help. And so Joseph helps them, and he has them bring his father to Egypt. And so there was a good reason to help them when they were first reunited, because he loved and longed for his father. But then his father died, and Joseph stood at another crossroads where he had the opportunity now to exact the revenge that really these guys were owed. They ruined his life. And now he was able to spend those final days with his father. And so what is stopping him from exacting the revenge that, that any of us would have probably wanted. And I wanna just read you Genesis 50, verse 21, that talks about Joseph's reaction to his brothers, even following his father Jacob's death. It says, he reassured them, And spoke kindly to them. Mm. Now, this was a total reversal from the way that they had treated Joseph in the years prior. As a matter of fact, scripture says they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And so, his speaking kindly and treating them well was a complete reversal of the treatment that he had intended. And so, Joseph in speaking kindly to his brothers following Jacob's death, says something that's become one of those memory verses that I think many people know and quote. And it's one that I thought I knew and thought I quoted, even though I had read it many times for myself. And I always quoted it like this. Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for my harm, they're selling him into slavery, ruining his life. God meant for my good. And that's how I have always talked about that verse and applied that verse. What someone meant to do to harm me, God meant for my good. And it was, I hate to say this, but only in our most recent year-long chronological Bible read-through that I stopped reading that verse through someone else's voice, right? right, The way that I had always heard it presented. And I read it for myself and I realized that's not what it says at all. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say what you intended for my harm. God intended for my good. I want to read you what it says. It's Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Mm -hmm. The saving of many lives that's not a verse about my good. right? That's a verse about the corporate good of many people that God wants to accomplish through difficult things that we experience. Mm-hmm. And when I read it for what it actually says, mm-hmm. not for what I wanted it to say, what vindicates me at a time when I feel like I'm being done wrong, I gained such a better understanding of the principle here. And, and I wanna just apply it to something, Stacy, that you and I walked through once. Many, many years ago, uh, one of the most painful experiences that I've been through was at a time when you and I were in a position where we were part of a community and we were um, unexpectedly ostracized from that community. Mm-hmm. And and it was painful because at the time— About
1: baptism, nonetheless. And it was about baptism. <laughs> you're right.
0: And and this was a community that we looked to for support mm-hmm. and, um, and for companionship, for friendship— and, and it felt like such a bad thing mm-hmm. that someone had done to us, something that was meant for our harm at the time. But what it forced you and I to do was to step out and to start to rebuild community. Right. Right and and with god's blessing in that in in standing for for biblical truth and for biblical literacy and saying okay god you're removing us from this setting and we're going to have to step out and build new community the community that we built from that is much larger mm-hmm. than the community that that ostracized us but but not because god just blessed us with an sure. abundance of friends right but because God enabled us to be a blessing in the lives of literally hundreds Mm -hmm. and hundreds of people in this community. And I went, oh, that's what that really looks like. It doesn't look like when someone did me wrong. Right. God's going to turn it around and make it something good for me that I
1: benefit from. Right. Because that's
0: about me. Yeah. Instead, God turns it around and he uses it for his glory Mm -hmm for many people, right. for many people to receive benefit. And even for the people who did uh, Joseph wrong, for his brothers, God turned the wrong for even their benefit, mm-hmm. for even the perpetrator's benefit. Well, and that's
1: what Joseph said. He said, I am going to look after you and your children. Yes. Right? Yes, That was his follow-up statement to what you intended for my harm. God is going to use for the good of many lives. Right. And so... As many times as I've read the Bible, I have still
0: read that verse mm-hmm. through the lens, through a me-centered lens, what I wanted it to say until this most recent chronological year-long Bible read-through that we did when I went, oh no, God is not seeking to take wrongs perpetrated against me and elevate and platform me. hmm he wants to use those things for his glory. Mm-hmm. And, and in that way, he increased my understanding of who he is and what right. my purpose is and what my place is, even though this is something I've read again and again and again.
1: Yeah. And it may not sound like on the, on its face, you might not want to, to run and ring the bell and say, look at this amazing theological gold mine I found. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. Right, right, and I think that's that's where we have to be humbled in the fact that when we read it, it could be something as simple as understanding the actual statement that changes our our life and our perspective on life and on others. Yes, and that makes the whole read through worth it. Yes, that's what we have to be after. But if we're reading it from start to finish just to gain knowledge and not allow that knowledge to turn into wisdom that creates discernment, yes. that creates transformation, then we are going to miss that mark, and we're going to say, well, I've already read it. I, I don't I don't really need to write once. once. Yeah, so the an example that I have um, isn't from our most recent read-through um, that I participated and finished uh, last summer. Um, it is actually from the first time I read it all the way through, to the second time I read it all the way through, because because I remember so clearly these alarms going off in my mind as I was reading it. So the very first time um, I read the Bible all the way through with our women's group was in Paul's Joel. When did we do that? 2015. Say 15. 15. Yeah. So the very first time we read the Bible all the way through as a women's group here at Ecclesia was around 2015. Yeah, and To be transparent, the reason we did an entire Bible read-through is because by the time we had—it was time to start a new Bible study, and I could not think of anything to study. I I, didn't—I was, you know, kind uh, of—we were were not—we had moved past video-based Bible study. We had been doing studies presented um, that we created— for our women, but I was just kind of tapped, you know. Yeah. God, I don't feel like I have, and that's why the statement I said a minute ago really resonates with what has been in my heart because I've read and read and read before and thought, I just don't have anything profound to say about yeah. this. Yeah, what an arrogant position to be in, and that's where I had found myself. Yeah, and I was terribly humbled because I felt, um, I felt guilty before God that I wanted something profound to present to our women. And I thought, clear as day, you just need to read the whole thing. Just let God speak for Himself. So that was the reason we did our very first read through as a women's group. And then I remember the second time we, or the first time we read through, finding in in a a passage I had already read before in my journey of reading the Old Testament all the way through, and it comes from the book of Matthew. So in that first read through, um, when Jesus comes to Matthew. To, uh, and When Jesus comes to John in the book of Matthew to be baptized, he says, and I'm going to I'm going to read it to, for us, chapter three, beginning in verse thirteen. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so. Now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And then it says. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and and alighting um, on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So I had read that passage, and nothing stood out to me until we read it all together with the women. And it, it, it nailed me that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit that had just immediately descended upon him after his baptism. And it hit me that no wonder that next year of your life was awful, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. After you had come to this realization that I have to surrender my whole life to God, yeah. and to be baptized by Him because even or to, and to be baptized into Him because even Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. The Spirit yeah. led Him in yes. the wilderness. Wow. And it and it may not be profound to anyone else listening, but it I was profound that. to me. Yes. And then the next time we read it through, I remembered that aha moment that I had fallen in love with the first time. And go figure, the next time we read it through, we come to chapter four, and my Old Testament alarm clock was just going off. Alarms everywhere. And I'll read it for you beginning um, in verse one of chapter four. Uh, Reread that first one again. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right? And so that was my first aha. Verse two, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And as you continue to read on down through verse 11, these Old Testament alarms start going off. We've yeah. got wilderness language. We've got 40 yes. days. So um, I was instantly reminded of things in Deuteronomy. And then even in the, each of the three encounters that Jesus had with the enemy, he is, he is echoing exact examples of things in Deuteronomy yes. that Moses is charging the children of, of Israel with when they're in the wilderness, when he says, uh, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Well, Jesus' response, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. And then the enemy comes and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. And he throws scripture at him and Jesus fires right back, right from the children in the wilderness, right where he's at. He answers with Deuteronomy six, sixteen. He says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, he says, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you the splendor of this kingdom, right? And Jesus replies with a direct quote from Moses in Deuteronomy six thirteen to 14. And he says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But what I did not know until that, that uh, second read through with the women was this wasn't just that God said these things. This was Moses' charge to the Israelites before they were going into the promised land. Yeah. They were about to go into what was the real challenge, the real temptation. They failed in the wilderness. Yeah. We got that, right? But where they were headed into the promised land was, I would challenge, even more dangerous because they would, in their failure, were leaving their inheritance. They would be giving up that inheritance. And so that charge in all of these these places was from Moses to the Israelites as they were entering it in. And this is what Jesus used to combat the temptation of the enemy. And I wouldn't have gotten it had I not read the Old Testament at this point several times mm-hmm. and it, it, the alarms would not have gone off yes. for me. I would not have keyed myself back to hear, wait, I've heard that. I remember that being an important moment. Yeah. When it came to the concept of freedom, and it just, it had a huge impact on me when I consider the freedom by which I operate. Yeah. I still have to do it within the bounds of remembering, I'm not going to put God to the test. Yeah. I am only going to serve him and serve him alone, and I am at his command, not the other way around. Yeah. So those were the a couple of things that were profound to me that stood out after reading through a few times. Uh that again, they don't have to be these profound yes. things that that come across as this eloquently communicated, life-shaking truth that we found because it was truth for me yes. that I needed in order to keep myself in the freedom by which I operated yes. under control. And that is how scripture transforms us, even if we've already read it. That's it. Over and over. Absolutely. Um, another one that that I experienced
0: just in this current read-through, right now we're in a 180-day Bible read-through, we're in the Gospels, and and this one, I'd hate to even admit that it's this far into my life of reading the whole Word of God that this first became very apparent to me, but, but I want to just be honest with you about it and, and say I've never recognized this until this read-through, because it's probably a very simple truth. Again, like you said, not not necessarily anything earth-shaking that I've discovered. Right. We're not going to write a theological excerpt about this. Right, right, right. But but God used it to show me who he is even more. Right. And the more he shows us that, the more in love we fall with him. Mm-hmm. And so here's the thing that I, I just discovered, just uh, came to realize in this current 180-day read-through that we are on right now as I sit here in the Gospels. In the book of Genesis, we're all familiar with the account, right? Adam and Eve take from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, and they eat. And mm-hmm. so because of that, they're banished from the garden. I mean, simple enough, right? There's sin and there's consequence. Sure. But let's just read the passage real quick together. Genesis 3, 22 through 24. And the Lord God said, "'The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil.'" He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished. Sorry, I lost my place, Joel. Will you just mark this? So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. I guess because I grew up in church and because I grew up in Sunday school, this was always a very cut and dry account. Man sinned, man had a consequence. What I have missed for 20 years of reading this same account in the book of Genesis is what love and grace Mm -hmm. is wrapped up in man's banishment. It's not just a punishment. And we know that because God says, he must not reach out his hand and take and eat from the tree of life and live forever. Why? Mm-hmm. Because in his sin, he created a separation between himself and God. And God did not want him to live for eternity in a separated state right. where there was something existed between them. And I feel like maybe I wouldn't have even made that connection if I wasn't well acquainted with reading the whole Bible and knowing that that the book of Revelation ends with God restored to perfect fellowship with man, just like in the Garden of Eden for all eternity. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, what is the definition of hell? Right, It's eternity separated from God. So for man to remain in the Garden of Eden and to have the opportunity to attain eternal life in a state of separation from God... Is hell? Mm-hmm. God was literally saving mankind, humanity, from hell, in expelling him from the garden, and and that said to me, oh, God loves us so much mm-hmm. that that His consequence would be a consequence of of love, not just a punishment, mm-hmm. but but a way of saying. I can't stand to be separated from you forever, so I'm going to be separated from you for a time.
1: Right, and that's what we see throughout the Old Testament and that we even experience today. We read all through Scripture, and when we see it through the context of everything that God has done, we would no longer look at exile as necessarily a negative right but as an opportunity for restoration yes we see it all through the old testament we even see it into the new testament and jesus is it's the same desire that we have to develop within us to say come yes come and 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 restore this perfect dwelling here with us so that we can be totally Uh, perfected and to be in your presence, because we are all experiencing a form of exile right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the desire has to become, and it will become, when you read the entire thing, that is hands down the number one lesson that I feel now is so clear in Scripture. But I remember vividly going, wait, how did I miss this? How... How have I walked so long in a relationship with God and led women in Bible study and not known that the whole point is that he is coming to correct the exile that we keep finding ourselves in? I still don't know how I missed it, except that I had not read the whole thing. In 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 a lane that gave me the space and the freedom to really see the big picture, right? Because it would have been fragmented or disjointed, as we talked about as we began. But we look at exile from the whole book and see the the again the overarching picture. This copy and paste, a different vehicle, a different method or model, but the same desire of God to be in complete unity and fellowship with what he created. And exile is a part of that story. Yes, And we're somewhat walking in an exile now, and our desire must be a match, but even greater of what we see in the Old Testament in the days of their true exile, physical exile, of praying for restoration, praying for freedom, praying for this redemption to come. And We have it readily available. Uh, We've been talking a lot um, about that here in the podcast of how we see God so available and so willing and so full of love and grace. But we still have to find that and respond to it and make a decision about it and then live our lives awaiting that moment where we enter into, you know, We're leaving Babylon. Yeah. We're 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 leaving our exile and we're walking into this perfect this perfect kingdom that God has perfected for us, where we'll be with him for eternity. And exile will no longer even be a vocabulary word. Right. Except when we're talking about the good things that God had done in the past. Yeah. Man, that's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And listen,
0: if in this episode you're going, Yeah, that just sounds like a whole bunch of blah, blah, blah. I wanna tell you (laughs) you've not read the whole Bible. Sure. Right. Because when you connect with that meta-narrative, just just the overarching story, Mm -hmm. then you can't get enough of it. And those pieces continue to connect together more and more every single time you read it. And maybe you read it the first time and you recognize things that I didn't recognize until the 20th time.
1: Absolutely. Praise God. You should share them. Praise
0: God. That's right. But he will continue to develop that. And in that, you're going to know his character more and more. You're going to Mm -hmm. see his son more and more. And
1: because of that, your life is going to be transformed more and more. Absolutely. And if you need something that says, well, what am I going to get out of this? Because sometimes that's how we operate. Here is what I will promise you will get. If you question what's going to happen, what, you know, if you're anxious about where you stand with God or what God's plan is, it's all laid out. It's not a riddle. There is no mysterious things that will happen. You can know exactly what God's plan is. You may not have every single detail, date, timed, and, you know, the color scheme. Right. But when you learn the character of God and the Mm -hmm. nature of God, your discernment over what is happening around you, you will, one, know this is either of God or it's not. Yep. And then you'll know, what is God's plan? What is, what is the purpose to this life? What is happening? What's going to happen? And as moms, I, I use this in, in life to say, I really don't have to worry about what's going If I point my kids to Jesus yeah. and I ingrain in them that they have a response to make with him and I teach them and model for them to fall in love with what he has already done and yeah. what he has already said he's going to do, then they won't have to live life questioning what is going on, right. what's God doing, what's going to happen, what's the future look like? Because those all become something you already have an answer to. Yeah. Um, and and that's a concrete thing that you will get from reading it again, even if you think you've already read it all the way through. and Maybe you have. Maybe you've read every single word on every single page, and you, you've done that. We've done that. Yes. But clearly there's always more to learn. Right. And that's what we want to encourage you towards. So if you have thought this objection, I've
0: already read it, we would say throw that out Mm -hmm. and read it again because God is not done teaching you. If you are still on this earth, if you are still living and breathing on this side of eternity, God is still instructing you and growing you and revealing himself to you more and more. I do have a book coming out on May the 19th, Step Into Scripture, where a lot of these connections are... uh, talked through in the book, things just that God has taught me, things that we have learned in studying Scripture together, and I would love to make that available to you. It'll be available at renew.org slash books and also on Amazon. And thank you so much for joining us here. We're going to continue to unpack uh, any kind of objection that you may be feeling about Mm -hmm. reading the whole Word of God with one goal. We just want to see you committed to it because we believe wholeheartedly in the transformation God has for your life through his word. So thanks for being with us and we'll see you back next time. Get ready to step in this scripture with Tina.